welcome to the big 99th episode of the Tennis Podcast. I am your host, Nick Amell. I'm Brandon. That's right. And this is the show that's brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And every week, either myself or Brandon bring a top 10-ish list on anything and everything. And the other tries to guess without knowing what that list is ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Same thing this week. Brandon, can you believe we've made it to the 99th iteration, episode, occasion, incident of this show? It's shocking. Against all odds, we've climbed to the top yep. of... The, what have we climbed to the top of? I'm waiting to hear that. The 100-episode mountain. Oh, okay. You know, you and I are joking, but you have to admit, most podcasts, maybe like, what, 90-plus percent, never make it to the 100th episode. So, it is something... Do most of them kind of peter out? They peter out or they're short for, you know, like serial. Oh, right. I don't know if they'll ever get to 100 episodes. But, you know, we still got to make it to episode 100. We're not there yet. So, maybe we shouldn't celebrate quite yet. We should plan our ending. Like uh, J.K. Rowling? You know, yeah, like a TV show that knows when it's going to end. Okay. Well, let's just end today. And when at the end of it, kill ourselves. <laughs> well, goddamn, this got dark quick. Well, that'll be the Patreon exclusive. Well, then we become a true, true crime podcast. The, the crime happens There's no live. truer crime. We better yeah. get back on track. Yeah, let's, let's shift away from this and instead focus our attention on the list that you brought today, which is? Today we're going to, we've celebrated a few actors in the past. We've talked about Arnold. We've done Arnold's movies. We've talked about Tom Cruise. Have we done Tom Cruise? No, we haven't. He's on my to-do oh. list though. And more ways than one, am I right? We did Jack Nicholson. And who else did we do? Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Jim Carrey. Another heavy hitter tonight. One of the heaviest hitters of them all, Samuel L. Jackson. We're going to talk about his 10 best performances as ranked by Business Insider. Because everyone knows you... (laughs) The authority on Samuel L. Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, the the authority on, on art, Business Insider. And I disagree with a lot of their top 10, but... That's what will make it interesting to talk about. Do they have criteria on how they're ranking? No. It was somebody's feelings, I'm sure. So, best performance, I take that to mean like his most artfully... No, I wouldn't say these are the ones that deserve like an Oscar because of the performance, but best as in a great performance in a good role and something that like he owned or maybe was culturally significant and widely loved. Memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can roll with that, motherfucker. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, motherfucker tonight because he likes to say that word. That's his, one of his favorite words. He might be the most effective at saying that yeah, in the history of the planet. Yeah. Do you consider motherfucker one word or two? I always thought two. Yeah, it's Maybe it's it is one just word. one. Okay. Yeah, it's one word. Are you the business insider of well, one word? Well, on his wallet. Okay. Tell me, who is Samuel L. Jackson? I how old is he now? Is he... Samuel L. Jackson. He was born December 21st. You want to celebrate his birthday this year. 1948. Jesus. He's 71 years old. Still younger than the president. He's also younger than Joe Biden. Yes. Samuel L. Jackson. Now, do you know what the L in Samuel L. Jackson stands for? It's Lonnie, right? It's not Lonnie. Or Larry. It's not Larry. Leopard? No. Lyme disease. It's Le- Leroy. <laughs> That's better than everything I said. Samuel Leroy Jackson. Uh, no, well, now I know why it goes by the L. And he doesn't need an introduction because the films he have, has appeared in have grossed more than $27 billion worldwide. 
He's the highest grossing actor of all time when you include movies where his cameos are included. Damn. Well, that's an interesting way to put it, by the way, because when you first said Samuel Jackson, the thing that stood out to me immediately was there's not a lot of movies where he's like the star or the leading role. Interesting that you should say that. There are very few on this list in which he has a leading role. And, and yeah, that's... Uh, uh, he... I don't want to get... <laughs> Never mind, you have to cut this part out. I don't even, okay. I don't want to even get into like being black in Hollywood and stuff. I don't have any room <laughs> to like talk about that. He talks about it a lot. He has appeared in more than 150 films, but today... Holy shit. We're here to celebrate the man. The man himself, listener of the show. And I have more facts and even some quotes from Samuel L. Jackson to sprinkle in as we go along. I love some Samuel L. Jackson sprinkling. Here, I'll give you one. He holds the record for the most motherfuckers in film. <laughs> no one has said motherfucker in film more than him. Mark Wahlberg came to mind. Doesn't he say motherfucker a lot? Mm. I can hear his Boston accent saying it. Uh, yeah, but I don't think he gets as much work as Samuel L. Jackson. I think Samuel L. Jackson's probably pretty easy to work with. And I'm going to guess that Mark Wahlberg is wow. probably still pretty Mark Wahlberg about it. Hot take. Um, well, 150 appearances, that has to be, if not a record, then pretty close. I don't know about that, but he's been in a lot of stuff. So, All right. start guessing. What do you think would be in his top 10 best performances? I'm going to rule some out, I think. And maybe I'll accidentally guess one in the process. I think Nick Fury has got to not be in it. You idiot. It is in it. That's stupid though. I mean, does he even do anything as Nick Fury? Yes. He's like so generic as a character to me. No. Okay. You just goofed your way right into it already. Nick Fury is number six on their list. Knew it. Now. You can't tell me Nick Fury is his sixth best performance. Well, according to this list it is. Maybe it's because of how no, much I'm, it I'm is. I'm asking you. How Do I feel it is? Yeah. I think he was really good in some of those movies like in the, his small role, but. No, it's not like... I think it gets bonus points because of how big those movies are. Yeah. Anyway, I think who cares? he is, you know, locking himself in a hotel room for two weeks with like just a journal and his thoughts on like, how do I become Nick Fury? <laughs> I think <laughs> no. he shows up, they slap an eye patch on him, put a leather jacket on him and he's like, yeah, now I'm... Nick Fury is Samuel L. Jackson with an eye patch. Yeah. I mean, there's really... Yeah, that's my problem with it, but whatever. Who cares? Go ahead. Number well, six. He gave his consent in 2002 to Marvel Comics. So, they wanted to design their ultimate version of Nick Fury using Samuel L. Jackson's likeness. And he said, that's fine. And then six years later, he made his first post-credits cameo as Nick Fury in Iron Man. Did you know he was the comic, the comic book version looked like him before the movie version did? I did not know that, but... That's interesting. However, backing up a minute, you said that he said that's fine mm -hmm. that they do that. I think he also said that's fine because I'm going to be getting millions of dollars out of this. And I would also guess I don't that think he gave, I don't, I don't think you get millions of dollars for them basing a comic design off of your likeness. There's not, well, there's not millions of dollars to throw around in comics. That's not what I mean. I mean that he had some sort of, at least if not an outright like in writing, then at least a strong hint that they're going to want to use him as Nick Fury in movies in the future. I'm going to say I don't think that's true. Okay. But we'll never know because I don't have that note here. His two biggest roles in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far were in 
uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. You didn't see that, did you? No. And Captain Marvel. And you didn't see that one either, did you? Nope. Well, I did homework. I watched Captain Marvel last night just to put another Samuel L. Jackson movie under my belt. He plays CGI younger version of Nick Fury because it takes place in the 90s. Okay. And it was okay. Was it his sixth best performance of all time out of 150 no, movies? No, it definitely wasn't. It, I will say it was the best looking CGI de-aging that I've seen. It was a huge improvement over Robert De Niro in The Irishman. Hmm. Yeah, I still haven't seen that either. By the way, is Fury supposed to be like his birth given last name? Yeah, his name is Nicholas Fury. Okay. In the, comic, want, book, in the comic book world, your name being Fury is one of the more boring things that could happen. Now, you know Nick Fury wears an eye patch. Do you know how he lost his eye? No. Well, I found out last night it happens in the Captain Marvel movie. It's something that could have easily happened to you. You share a grave injury. You, have, you and Nick Fury have sustained the same grave injury, the same manner. Is it a cat? He lost his eye from a cat scratch. I was not expecting this. Was it his cat? No. And I have to tell you, it's not exactly a cat. It looked like a cat. It was Captain Marvel. Sabretooth Tiger. All, no, there's all kinds of aliens and stuff in the Captain Marvel movie. And this alien was called a flurkin. It looks like a cat, but has tentacles and can like eat people. How's the ass? It's a cat ass. So, awesome. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, a kitty, a kitty cat scratched. Oh, no, you got bitten. Kitty, the cat didn't okay, bite yes, his eye I was going to... No, I got scratched and bitten. The cat... So, let me fill the listeners in here. <laughs> okay, let's just move on. A cat got you. Okay. Cat got me. And it fucking hurt and I had to show up to a work trip in a... <laughs> in a fucking... What was it? Like a... Anyway, it was a sling. Let's not get you into were it. in a body... Full body cast and had to keep explaining <laughs> why you were in traction from a cat bite. Full body cast is exaggerating <laughs> a little bit, but let's... Uh, Let's move on. Is that all on Nick Fury? Yeah, that's all on Nick Fury. He's probably been in like 25 movies under Marvel, right? He's been in a bunch, yeah. Like 10 or something. Can you believe the output of Marvel movies? I mean, it kind of slowed down in the last year, but they're cranking out like two or three a year, it felt like. I'm kind of surprised there wasn't a um, Nick Fury movie. I would have seen the Nick Fury movie. I'm sure it's coming. Does he have his own comics, Nick Fury? 71. Yeah, there's Nick Fury comics. Yeah, but 71 except they can de-age his ass. Now, the Nick Fury in the comic, if he has his own comics, is the idea that he's like a retired superhero, I don't even remember. No, he is like a government agent who put together the Avengers initiative to find superheroes and have them fight for Earth in case, because he found out in Captain, uh, Captain Marvel that there's space aliens are real and that they can come and take over your planet with crazy weapons and he was like oh shit we need a hulk or something yeah that's a quote from the movie right we need a hulk or something well you reminded me of something you mentioned that he was looking for superheroes and that reminds me of his role in unbreakable is that on here interesting that is another role in which he's looking for superheroes and it is number 10 on the list knew it elijah price Mr. Glass in Unbreakable and what's the other one? Split? Oh, no. Glass. The newest one is just called Glass. Glass. 
Right. They'll all Was three he in those. that one? I didn't see no, that. No, I didn't. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, I saw Unbreakable and I saw Split, or I think it's called Split. But you didn't see Glass. No, and Split is, you don't even know it's a prequel to. It was a surprise, Glass, right? Slash Unbreakable. It was a surprise at the end, kind of like uh, with Prometheus being a prequel yeah. to Alien. Well, I'm familiar with it, although I haven't seen it. It came out 20 years ago now. Unbreakable, a film by M. Night Shyamalan, came out in 2000. I think this was right after The Sixth Sense, right? Wasn't it? This is the one right after he had blown up. Yeah. Sixth Sense was 99, Unbreakable was 2000. And coming off of Sixth Sense, he put this story together uh, where Samuel L. Jackson played Elijah Price, comic book art dealer who has a brittle bone disease. He develops a theory based on comic book stories that there must be someone unbreakable at the opposite extreme. And that's uh, Bruce Willis in the movie, right? How strong is he in yes. the movie? You know, it's been probably 20 years since I saw mm-hmm. it, but I recall that Elijah Price discovers Bruce Willis's character because Bruce Willis survives a... A train crash. Train crash right. of, of some sort, and I believe he's the only survivor. I did see that part. I have seen like parts of it. I guess, but I do remember that, that he, they have this train crash scene and then he just gets up like it was no big deal. And I remember he did, he was doing bench presses and kept putting more and more weight on it, but he just kept being able to lift the weight. Yeah, that's like me at the gym. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he plays a comic book theorist, which I didn't know that was a job. It sounds like a fun one. Who has type 1 osteogenesis imperfecta. And was revealed to be the man behind train crash accident. In this movie, uh, Jackson requested that his walking stick be made of glass to make his character more menacing. And he wanted to use purple as his color. Uh, uh, That was Jackson's idea because he just likes the color purple. Nothing wrong with purple. I'm a purple guy too. His wig in that movie was modeled after Frederick Douglass, who I've mentioned on here before (laughs) has incredible hair. Yes. That role was written with Jackson in mind, which is a theme that will come up again and again tonight. A lot of people writing stuff out there. I mean, he's a, he's a fun person to write for, I would imagine. Yeah, but I feel like if you're writing a role for Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. and his character can't just generously use the phrase motherfucker, <laughs> then it seems like a wasted role. Um, pretty much every one of the... Every one of them on here, he does. I'm thinking, is there anyone that he doesn't say motherfucker in? Yeah, there's definitely one he doesn't say motherfucker in. Okay. Do you want to drop another fun fact on me before I guess another one? Or a quote? Yeah, let me give you a quote. Uh, These are just some out of context quotes from Sam Jackson. What kills me is that everybody thinks I like jazz. It made me laugh. That's it? Yeah, it made me laugh. I thought there was more coming. (laughs) It made me laugh that he, everybody thinks I like jazz. (laughs) It's like he's a cool older black guy. He probably likes jazz. Yeah. Well, I would say also like, I mean, he's 71 years old. So, his tastes are probably a little more refined and he's cool. And you would think being cool and smooth would go along with liking cool, smooth music like jazz. But you know, he is cool. And if you look at him, well, like I knew he was old, but if I didn't know that, no, he is. I would not think he looks 71. No. Would you? 
I would think like late 50s maybe. I mean, I know that they put makeup on actors and stuff, but yeah, no, of course. generally, no, he does not look 71 at all. I would have guessed, yeah. I would have guessed 60. And you know, that reminds me, I got to fire our makeup ladies because when I hired them, I forgot that no one can see us when we're talking on a pod. Yeah, and I look older. <laughs> well, here's another fact I'll throw at you about Sam Jackson. Okay. This is going to blow your mind. In the 80s, he worked for three years as a stand-in for Bill Cosby on The Cosby Show. <laughs> that is crazy. I guess he hadn't made it in the 80s, huh? He was working in the 80s. You know, he's a classically trained actor. He went to Morehouse College in Atlanta originally to study marine biology. Oh, okay. Which is interesting. Just like George. Just like George. And he was later eaten by a shark in <laughs> Deep Blue deep- Sea. Yes. A shark ate me. A motherfucking shark ate me. Samuel L. Jackson, it'll get you drunk. So, no, he was a classically trained actor. He was working in New York and, yeah, it was in New York in the 80s. He, he did work pretty regularly. But, yeah, he was Cosby standing for three years. And speaking of working regularly and like what maybe changed his, well, definitely changed his life. In 1990, he had overdosed on heroin three times, not that year, but by then he had overdosed on heroin three times. And then it switched to cocaine. In 1990, his wife sent him to rehab and he has been sober since 1991. He's also been married to his wife, actress and producer Latanya Richardson, since 1980. That's rare in Hollywood. Yep, and rare in, uh, in Hollywood. And he has a daughter, one daughter named Zoe. Okay, but Samuel Jackson wasn't a name or famous until the 90s, right? Right. So, he's been sober since 1991. And without giving away some of the movies, it was right after that that his career took off. Like, obviously, luck is part of it, but also... Deals with God and the devil, yeah. Yeah, in some of his uh, quotes that weren't as exciting to include, he talks about how once he was sober, he put all of his, all of that energy, he could be more creative and focused and he did better work and it led to better jobs and... It led to him, the films he's appeared in, grossing more than $27 billion worldwide. That's crazy. Oh yeah, probably time for another guest. Well, I would not have put this in the top 10, except that Nick Fury's in here. So, Mm -hmm. I'll guess the guy he plays in Jurassic Park. (laughs) No, uh, the guy he played in Jurassic Park, what was that guy's name? Arnold. Yeah, I cannot remember. John Arnold. Uh, he plays the, like, the IT guy in Jurassic Park. It's not in the top 10, but that's where he, I think he says it Hold twice in the butts. film. He chain smokes and says, Hold on to your butts. <laughs> There's a part I was thinking about the other day. I rewatched it with my kid. And, you know, Dennis Nedry, he's the computer nerd who yes. puts the virus in that sets everything in motion. Nedry puts the virus in, and he, you know, he runs off and he ends up getting killed. So he's not coming back, and they're trying to fix it. There was a part where uh, Jackson's character gets uh, frustrated in the background and he goes, Nedry, please, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes when I'm trying to fix something on a computer or like (laughs) just something's just not working, I think about that quote and him just, it's one of the more real, (laughs) like more relatable performances. Just God damn it. (laughs) Can't get that computer working. You know what I think about in his Jurassic Park role? is, you know, I'm not a smoker. Uh-huh. He made it look but, delicious. 
He made it look. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like and he couldn't some... take a cigarette out of his mouth. He he had to talk with it bobbing up and down because it tastes yes, so good. Yes, that's the, that was my next point. You're reading my fucking mind, Brandon. Yeah, it's always hanging out the corner of his lip. Yeah. I don't think I've ever wanted a cigarette more than watching him and Matthew McConaughey in True Detective. He goes, going to have to go through the computer lines of code one by one. How many <laughs> lines of code are you? About two million. <laughs> 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 With that cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Uh, yeah. what, I mean, maybe we can figure it out over the course of this episode, but there is something about him, even in a tiny role, that just gets me. And obviously gets a lot of people too because yeah. 20, $27 billion. Yeah, but it's not like, you know, because sometimes we'll read those figures. Like I remember with Jim Carrey, I read off a figure. I think it was like $10 billion or something. Mm-hmm. Except Jim Carrey really can take most of the credit for that. Where Samuel Jackson, yeah, but he's been in movies that have made that, but it's not like he's, most of the time, there's exceptions, but it's not like he's the driver. He does sell you on a movie though. For instance... If they made a movie named Snitch, now I realize like you make a crappy movie, but you put a big star in it, people will go see it. But like Snakes on a Plane would not have worked without Samuel L. Jackson. I snuck into that movie. <laughs> I guess it was worth it. You, def- you got your money's worth, right? I-, I can't remember if we snuck in because it was R and I was 16 mm-hmm. or if we snuck in just because we didn't want to pay. Either way, we snuck in and we did get kicked out because we kept... <laughs> God damn it. We're being such assholes making fun of the movie that someone complained and they asked for our ticket Did you enjoy stubs. it or were you just making fun of it? Both. Oh. Well, he enjoyed it. That was a fun movie though. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't seen it since it came out. Don't remember. Don't remember nothing about it. It's not on here, right? No. Okay, so okay. John Arnold from Jurassic Park, not on here. Black Snake Moan or whatever it's called. Yes. Lazarus Woods in Black Snake Moan it's number five on the list. Wow, I've never seen it. Have you? Uh, I saw it when it came out and I must have bumped my head right afterwards because I, I don't remember. I know that I've seen it. I remember like the first few minutes, but I don't remember anything else. It's just like on this pod, people start tuning you out after the first few minutes. Right. Uh, he plays a Mississippi bluesman, blues man, hmm. who holds a troubled local woman played by Christina Ricci, captive in his house. Uh, He's in in an attempt to cure her of her nymphomania after finding her severely beaten on the side of the road. She has, they call it the Blake Snack, Black, (laughs) the Blake Snack. (laughs) What the fuck? The Black Snake Moan. She wants, she wants a a black Hmm. snake shaped Uh organ to make her moan. She's going crazy for it and he's. Like a tongue or a. He keeps her her chained up. He plays good music. For the film, he spent six or seven hours a day for six months learning how to play blues guitar uh, for the several songs he plays throughout the film. Now, like I admire that in a way. That's cool. Six or seven hours a day is Right. That's that's commitment. That shows... That's uh, 14 years ago. He was 57 years old. But my my counterpoint is... It's so completely unnecessary. <laughs> he could have just not done that. They could have just so, cut to someone else's hands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, or, or there's a million ways to do it. So you, When you're in a movie and they do that though, do you notice it? I'd say it depends on the movie. If the movie is generally good and has me emotionally invested, I probably don't notice. If the movie is not holding my attention on an emotional level, then I probably do notice. How's that for an answer? Hmm. 
I guess I'm always trying to look for the trickery. So I would know. I think I would feel like I would notice no matter what. But if it was a stupid movie, if it was like Step Brothers and they needed to show that Will Ferrell could play the piano like beautifully and they cut down to someone else's, you know what they just do is cut out to someone yeah. who has completely different looking hands, <laughs> like someone who has like yes. really, really dark complexion playing the, the piano while like Will Ferrell is doing the face above it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, Black Snake Moan does have the gif. Like, I haven't seen the movie, but I know the gif is from that movie of Samuel Jackson, like, giving a death stare. He looks besheveled. Yeah. His eyes are, like, popping out of his head. Yes. He sings on the soundtrack for that movie, and I listened to it today. And? He's not going to be singing on any more soundtracks anytime soon. Oh, wow. He can do a lot. But well, Samuel Jackson was listening to us until you said that, and I think he just threw his phone across the room. <laughs> I don't think he gives a rat's ass what I think. <laughs> it makes two of us. So, yeah, that's all I got on old Black Snake Mom. Okay. Here, let me give you some more facts. He okay. grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Love Chattanooga. He had a stutter as a child, and he still struggles with his stutter uh, now. Hmm. His favorite word motherfucker even helps him at times with his stutter maybe that's why he says it so much yeah. now next time someone gets upset of his coarse language it's because he has a disability so lay off do you think i can use that excuse mm-hmm. when someone asks me why i cuss so much he was an usher. i'll just say i have a disability and if they ask what disability then i'll say well that's rude what? motherfucker uh did you know he was an usher at Martin Luther King Jr.'s funeral in 1968. No, how did he get that gig? Um, I don't know. He was in Atlanta at the time. Hmm. So, he was there where the funeral was held and he was involved in some civil rights activities. The things you've told me already, mm-hmm. and we're only three movies in, plus his life. Fantastical. What a fucking life this guy's led. Why don't you guess another one of these amazing movies? The character he, I don't remember the name, but the character he played in The Hateful Eight. Major Marquise Warren is the name of the bounty hunter he played, The Hateful Eight, which came out in 2015. It's number four on the list. Knew it. What's his name? Marquise Warren. Okay. Have you seen this one? You have seen The Hateful Eight? Yeah, I have. I'm asking if you have. Oh, yes. I loved it. It has some of my favorite Samuel L. Jackson dialogue is in this movie. This was his first top billing in a yeah, Tarantino yeah. movie. He's made, uh, so I was mentioning or hinting at earlier, he's made a lot of movies with Quentin Tarantino. He's made a, several movies with Bruce Willis. He's made all those Marvel movies. This was his first Tarantino movie in which he had the top billing. Well, I got to think it's on the short list of top billing in general for him. Yeah, uh, looking at this list, there's not a lot that he was the star of, which I guess I don't, I mean, he was in Shaft and he was Shaft in Shaft. Shaft! Yeah. He was whatever his name was in Snakes on a Plane, that was all him. Was he one of the top listed in Kong Skull Island? Uh... Don't know. Didn't you have King Kong fever when that came out pretty bad? I didn't, I didn't see that. I thought for sure that was around the time you'd gotten eaten up pretty bad with King Kong fever. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That movie King Kong came out, fever. you had King Kong fever at one point. You were just, everything was King Kong this, King Kong that. 
I've been watching King Kong movies. There's a new King yeah. Kong movie coming out. Oh, I did forget. That was right before my Barney the Dinosaur phase. Yeah. All right. You need to guess another movie because well, that's the last I have on Hateful Eight unless you have something on it. Okay. I was just going to mention, I saw Hateful Eight in theaters. Haven't seen it since, but it's on, it's been on my list of movies that I think, huh, I should watch that again. So, okay. So, how about Deep Blue Sea? No, Deep Blue Sea is not on this, uh, not in the top 10. But uh, he got eaten by a shark. That wasn't enough to win him an Oscar? It didn't that happen pretty early in the movie too? Haven't seen it. No. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw it. But speaking of Deep Blue Sea, here's another quote from Sam Jackson. I heard that you can do whatever you want in international waters. That's why I filled my jacuzzi with international water. <laughs> that is fucking smart. Why has no one thought of that before? Yeah. They did. Sam Jackson. Is that from a it. movie? No, I don't think so. It's just that's the just the way the it rolls off of his back. All right. How about Shaft? Shaft is not in the top ten either. Okay. I don't think I've heard anyone ever talk about this movie, but I did see it. Came out probably 08, 2008-ish, and that's Lakeview Terrace. No, I've seen Lakeview Terrace, but it's uh, not on have? here. you have? Okay. Yeah, it's not on here. All right. I, you know, I've seen some Sam Jackson movies, but I definitely don't consider myself an expert, and I'm running out of guesses here. Trying to save my big one for the end. Give me a hint. Remember I said there's one on here in which he does not, definitely does not say motherfucker. He says... No curse words because it's rated G. G? For good little children. Hmm. For general audiences. Does he and play it, a voice actor in that? He does a voice actor for a Pixar movie. Oh, I'm thinking. I can hear it. G though. Most Pixar films are PG now, so this makes me think it was older. Oh, I don't know what it's fucking rated. It's probably rated G or oh. PG. It's for kids. Okay. It's a kid's movie. There's no bad words. <sighs> I cannot think of... Give me a hint. He plays a superhero. Oh. Oh, it's The Incredibles. Or The Incredibles 2. Frozone. Frozone, yes. Frozone in The Incredibles is number nine on the list. Stupid. Which is one I would not have included in the fucking list. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nothing against his voice acting as Frozone, the superhero who can form ice from humidity in The Incredibles, but... It's not his ninth best role for sure. No. Samuel L. Jackson was cast as the voice of Frozone because Brad Bird, the director, wanted the character to have the coolest voice. <laughs> he went to the right place. Yeah. There the right man for the job. Pretty much only one dude. So, tell me Frozone's power again. He, he does form, what with ice? He forms ice out of humidity. So, he just forms ice okay. like out of nowhere. If you woke up one day and an angel told you, Brandon, <laughs> we've bestowed you with a superpower and you were like, Oh, this is awesome. I wonder what it is. Is it time travel? Is it flying? It's an angel. So, now I have to deal with like Christianity too? You don't have to, but I mean, angels would probably prefer it if you did. Why don't you make it an alien so it doesn't break my brain? Okay. How about Nick Fury is okay. telling you yeah. that you have any power, you have a power and you're thinking all the great powers out there and he says, no, you can do ice. I'm so disappointed. Now, don't get me wrong. There'd be a few cool things you can do. But compared to flying even, or invisibility... You'd be really popular in the summer and on camping trips when people are having margaritas. Yeah, you what's be the practical use of that ice? Fucking nothing. Cooling off, that's it. <laughs> there is a Marvel character, an X-Men, 
an X-Man whose name is Iceman. And as you might guess, his power is making ice. That's cool. It's such a boring... Oh, man, I'd be so like... Oh, that guy has knife knife claws that come out of his hands and he heals. You could destroy him with a nuclear weapon and his he would heal from it. That guy, uh, when he gets mad, he turns into a giant invincible green monster. Do you like shaved ice? <laughs> Do you like snow cones? I have to say the healing thing. That's Wolverine, right? Yeah. That is an underrated as fuck superpower. He, I don't ever think about that. But Wolverine is almost unkillable. The Hulk has ripped him apart before. The Hulk to defeat him once ripped him apart or the torso. He separated his legs from his top half. And Wolverine like had to crawl through the snow and find his bottom half. And, or maybe it grew back. I don't know. Maybe he had like baby legs for a while like, like Deadpool. But huh. yeah, he can survive pretty much anything. You said he crawled through the snow. Was the snow put there by Frozone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, boring uh, superpower, and it's on. I wouldn't have put it on the list. I would have put God. So you could have put his. Uh, I never saw any of these movies, but I bet the um, his work in the Triple X movies, oh, where he played uh, Agent Augustus Gibbons. I bet I would have more fun watching that than um, you didn't see Triple X. Hang on, can you imagine your baby, the miracle of childbirth happening, and your baby? You have two kids. Mm-hmm. One of them comes out. And you look at your wife who's just gone through this excruciating process of birthing a human and you Mm -hmm. say, let's name it Augustus. Yeah. Uh, Well, it gives him a lot of dignity right off the bat. (laughs) You'll never strip away dignity from someone named Augustus. Yeah. Now, you're right. I didn't see Triple X. It came out in 2002. That would have made the top 10 for me over Frozen. (laughs) I didn't realize you had such a problem with Children being happy at Incredibles movies. Why don't you um, give another guess? Do you need more hints already? No, no, no. Django Unchained. It's got to be number three or two. Django Unchained is number seven on the list. No, that's way too low. I feel like it is too. But I will say his character doesn't appear till an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. But then he steals the show the That's last true. half of the movie. And Nick Fury usually only shows up in the credits for some of those movies. You can't even count that shit. Number seven is his character, Steven, the house slave in Django <laughs> Unchained. I don't know if this, is this bad to say, but I've never enjoyed Samuel Jackson role as, as much as I enjoyed Steven. That awful Steven. <laughs> yes, I did too. I feel so bad because I can't repeat fucking any, um, anything he says in that movie but it's all so funny when he, the like how whiny and weak he seems when he first comes out and he can't like get over the fact that Django is sitting on a horse yeah and he, he kept, <laughs> what can I say instead of that word he keeps saying like who is this guy on a horse you can say <laughs> napkin like, who's this napkin on a horse who's this <laughs> this napkin he's it is destroying him that he's just (laughs) sitting on a horse and it's how like how much he relishes being you know the The top top slave yeah the the he's a kiss ass yeah the man that i assume everyone else sees is like a disgusting traitor to the rest of him he is fucking loving it the whole time 
That's another role. And he's a little tattletale as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love him in that. Yeah, that was my second note on hit on here. My second bullet point was blown away when he sees Django on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not the same. I'm not you and I and everyone else are not the only ones who uh, have a difficult time with the number of racial slurs in the movie. During the filming of one of the dinner scenes, Leonardo DiCaprio had to stop the scene because he was having a difficult time using the word napkin. Uh-huh. So many times over and over. And Samuel L. Jackson pulled him aside and told him, Motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know that everyone else would call it just another Tuesday, but God, that tickled me. Now, God, damn, damn you. Now I got to, there's so much shit I want to watch in the world and books I want to read that I haven't read. And you're going to make me rewatch Django Unchained now because of this conversation. I rewatched it. I've probably seen it six or seven times now. And I love that movie. Well, I do want to see how much I can get through. One of my favorite parts with Steven is when he goes to Django after Django's been like locked up and thinks they're going to torture him to death and cut off his dick. He throws him his clothes on the ground and he says, I'm going to see if I can do this. I'm not going to try to do it in his voice. He says, okay. your black ass been all them motherfuckers at the big house could talk about for the last few hours. Seem like white phone ain't never had a bright idea in their life <laughs> been coming up with different ways to kill your ass. <laughs> <laughs> now, mind you, most of them ideas had to do with fucking with your fun parts. Now, that may seem like a good idea, but truth is, when you snip a man, I'm, I'm fixing some of the uh, N-words in here. I'm not going to sure. do it. Sure. You can do napkin. I don't feel like Blue Wire's ready for that yet. <laughs> when you snip a man's nuts, most of them bleed out in, oh, about um, seven minutes. Most of them. Now, why does he know that? <laughs> you snip nuts in seven minutes. Most of them. Well, more than most. Then I says, shit fire. The guys we sell to LaQuint Dickey got it worse than that. And they still saying, let's whip him to death. Or let's throw him to the Mandingos. Or feed him to Stone Cipher's dogs. I said, well, what's so special about that? We do that shit all the time. <laughs> Hell's bells. The guys we sell to LeCant Dicky got it worse than that. And then he mocks surprise. Lo and behold, out of nowhere, Miss Laura came up with the bright idea of giving your ass to the LeQuint Dicky Mining Company. And as a slave of the LeQuint Dicky Mining Company, henceforth to the day you die, all day, every day, you will be swinging a sledgehammer, turning big rocks into little rocks. Now, when you get there, they're going to take away your name, get you a number, and a sledgehammer and say, get to work. One word of sass, and they cuts out your tongue. They good at it, too. You won't bleed out. Oh, they does that real good. They're going to work you all day, every day, till your back give out. Then they're going to hit you in the head with a hammer and throw your ass down in the hole, and that'll be the end of the story of you, Django. <laughs> it's so... Jesus. <laughs> and he, he loves it. He loves that yeah. this is happening to Django. I had to clean up his language a little bit, but... Uh, you know, he, the bad English you were using there. I know that's how he says it. Well, that's you the know, bad the, English, but I also left out all the N-words. Yeah, I know. But like the bad English where he'd say was instead of were, stuff like yeah. that. Do you think it was written that way in the script so explicitly or do you think he just kind of... No, I think it was. I'm, I'm sure it was written that way or fairly close to it, but that's another thing too, like... It is not easy to speak like that. 
And make it sound like it flows naturally. Yeah, make it sound like that's how you speak all the time. Yeah, it's fucking hard just reading it. So, uh, yeah, I guess he's making a bunch of money for a reason. <laughs> I also liked when I was looking through IMDb, you know, looking through the quotes, uh, Steven's last words <laughs> are, Django, you uppity son of a... B-. And then he gets <laughs> exploded. <laughs> uppity. Oh, God. I love, after he shoots him in the knees, the stuff that he, like, he's going, oh, my, oh, motherfucking God. Like, he's just wailing and squalling on the ground. Oh, man, it's so good. That should be number two on the top ten. It's up there for me, too. Okay, well, I only have one guess off the top of my head left. You save it. And I think it's number one. We both know what okay. it is. Save it. So, the other three, one of these I think you can get. It is what I understand to be his first film appearance with Bruce Willis. And he starred in this movie, he co-starred in this movie, like, pretty much side by side with him for the entire movie. It was I don't know if I've seen it. third in a trilogy. Die Hard something? Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's the third Die Hard movie. He played Zeus Carver in 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Now, I have seen all of the Die Hard movies. I've seen the first one a whole bunch of times. The second one a few times. Third one I've seen like twice. And the more recent ones I've seen once, they sucked. What number is this? Number eight. And the reason why I do think this belongs on here, even though Die Hard with a Vengeance was not a very good movie, He was the most fun part about that movie. He has said that of all the characters he has played, that Zeus Carver in Die Hard with a Vengeance is the close to his actual personality of any character he's played. Is it remarkably different than, you know, traditional Sam Jackson roles? I don't know. He just seems a little bit... He just seems like a lot of his other characters seem more like... They're more like brute force, right? Like... If he can't figure out a problem, they're going to beat the hell out of you or shoot you. And Zeus Carver, I think, could figure out a problem where he he didn't have to, like, fight his way out of it. Okay. Anyway, you've not seen it, right? Nope. Do you, have you seen the first Die Hard movie? No. My God. Do you understand what a film is? No. In uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Bruce Willis's character is targeted by a like a terrorist he puts in bombs like the star the movie opens up and a department store gets bombed and the police gets a call get a call from a guy named calls himself simon and he's gonna detonate another bomb unless police officer john mcclain is dropped off in harlem wearing a sandwich board on it that says i hate n-words printed on it Mm. so right he's a terrorist he's trying to get revenge he's the It comes out at the end, he's the brother of the terrorist that John McClane defeated in the first Die Hard movie. He's playing this psychological game with him, right? So, he makes him wear a sandwich board in Harlem with pretty provocative message on it and... Hmm, some might say yes. It attracts a lot of attention, including that from Zeus Carver, an electrician who owns a nearby shop. McClane tells Carver he's a police officer on a case, uh, but he's soon attacked by a group of men. I can't imagine why. And then they escape together uh, in a taxi. They get to the police headquarters. 
they learned that a large quantity of liquid explosives were recently stolen. Liquid Simon, explosives. Yeah, Simon calls again and he demands John McClane and now Zeus Carver follow his continuing instruction. And it's a series of riddles uh, for the rest of the movie. I'm surprised that the police officer, John McClane, would agree to go do that with the sandwich board anyway. I mean, did they really think the terrorists would just stop after that? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember like why he went for it. It might have been one of those things where he went thinking, I'll do it because the, he'll probably be watching from somewhere and I can catch him. But instead, just a bunch of guys came up and wanted to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, that'll happen. That role was originally written for Lawrence Fishburne, but he wanted more money. Okay, Lawrence. Well, get this shit. Lawrence Fishburne was also offered the role of Jules in Pulp Fiction, but his people talked him out of it. Oh my God. Well, I'm glad that happened. Not, I mean, Lawrence Fishburne probably curses the skies every day he wakes up since then. But for me, I'm very happy because Samuel Jackson stole the show in Pulp Fiction with Jules. Right. Which is number one on this list. Yes. Jackson says... That people get him and Lawrence Fishburne confused all the time. Why? I guess because they're I mean, both... I guess they're both, they're both black men, but like that's <laughs> kind of where it like... ends for me. You can't even make that like the horrible stereotypical comment that they like look alike. They don't like... They don't look alike, no. At all. Yeah, he says that people get them confused all the time. He has this like this one long quote about a guy on a plane telling him, asking him, are you sure you're not Lawrence Fishburne? And he was like, no, and I definitely wasn't in Pulp Fiction either. <laughs> oh, so he didn't even, that guy in the airplane didn't even recognize that it was Samuel Jackson? No. Like... Oh my God. I, f I feel like from the time I was 13 or 14 years old, I could recognize him anywhere. His voice, his face, like... Yeah, imagine seeing Samuel Jackson... And thinking he's the less famous Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Are you sure you're not Lawrence Fishburne? I bet you wish you were. <laughs> oh, right. I bet Lawrence Fishburne wishes he had Samuel L. Jackson's bank account now. Yeah. Bruce Willis suggested Samuel Jackson for that role because, and Samuel Jackson had seen the first Die Hard like 30 times. He was very excited to accept it. That's 30 more times than I've seen it. Well... You got homework to do. Now, the top three on here are left. You uh -huh. already know what number one is. We're going to save it. Number three on the list is a Spike Lee movie, or as he calls them, a Spike Lee joint. I'm going to guess that you don't know it. Well, I'm, I may have heard of it, but probably okay. not seen it. Do you think you have enough to guess? Give me the year. 1989. No, I don't fucking know it. He played DJ Mr. Senor Love Daddy in Do the Right Thing. What's, his name is Love Daddy? DJ, Mr. Senior, Mr. Senior Love, he's a DJ, so he had a, like a radio DJ name. Mr. Senior Love Daddy. Like I said, I haven't seen it. It's a story that explores a Brooklyn neighborhood's simmering racial tension, which culminates in violence on a hot summer day. I mean, I've heard good things. I know, I know it's a good movie, but I just I haven't seen it. And I got nothing on it because it's, he has, it, for his part is not that big in it, but I guess it was very memorable. What number is it? Well, that was number three on the list. Yeah. And I mean, there's just not, there's just nothing else to say about it. I mean, it's a good movie. There's probably plenty to say about it. There's nothing more for me to say about it because there's I no research that you took the amount of time to do to say about it. I no, understand. I did. I've, I read the entire plot, but most of it doesn't revolve around his character or him. There's not a lot of good information about him around this movie. So. We're going to skip it. 
Number two on the list is a movie directed by Quentin Tarantino, but not written by him. I didn't even know that had happened. It had. I'm going to guess you haven't seen this movie. It also stars Pam Greer, Bridget Fonda, Michael Keaton, Robert De Niro. Mm. It's coming up with nothing, aren't you? <sighs> he played Ordell Robbie in Jackie Brown. You haven't seen Jackie Brown? No. He plays a gun runner in Los Angeles. I think this might be where he started. It, maybe he did before. I don't think so. But it might be where he started wearing Kangol hats. You know, he likes, it's like his favorite brand of mm-hmm. hat. Jackson has said that Jackie Brown is his favorite Quentin Tarantino film. Really? Now, I don't know when he said that. He might have said that before like Hateful Eight came out. I don't know. But I also don't know that he would say Hateful Eight was his favorite Tarantino film. I don't know anything about this movie. I'm looking it up. Uh, it was, it's based on a novel called, I think, Rum Punch. Yeah, it wasn't written by him, but I think they like adapted it and then he directed it. And it came out a few years after Pulp Fiction. It's good. It's really good. Okay. Like, if you like well, Pulp Fiction, you will likely like Jackie Brown. I think I'll, I'd rather watch Django Unchained again. His character in that is uh, nearly as cool as his character in the number one movie on this list. Why don't you tell everyone what it is? What is his Samuel L. Jackson's best performance? So, Frozone from Incredibles 1 was number nine. I'm going to guess Frozone from Incredibles 2 is number one. It was Jules Winfield oh. from 1994's Pulp Fiction. I will agree with that being number one. He played Vincent Vega's partner in crime who worked for Marcellus Wallace. Tarantino wrote that part of Jules with Jackson in mind. I guess they made him offer it to Lawrence Fishburne first. You know, Jules was originally supposed to have a big afro. What did he have? He, I guess he had like he a... had a jerry curl. Yeah. He had a jerry curl. Tarantino sent like a production assistant to go get a wig. He said, go get an afro. And this like young white production assistant came back with a jerry curl wig. And Tarantino was pissed. He was like, the fucking afro. And Samuel L. Jackson was like, no, no, no. This is South Central LA. This is like a guy who grew up in Los Angeles. This is the type of gangster shit haircut he would have picked. Not shitty haircut, but like this kind of gangster stuff. Like, you know, when Ice Cube was young, he had a jerry curl. So, yeah, he wore it. It looks good. You know, I've seen a lot of movies, not Die Hard, but I have seen a lot of movies in my life. And the scene with Jules and John Travolta, what is his name? Vinny? What? Vincent Vega. Vincent interrogating the guys in their apartment while he's eating the burger. Mm-hmm. That is like a top 10 ever scene for me. If you had to say one movie scene is like representative of movies in the 90s, you would probably pick that scene. And it's a great scene because you can watch it out of context. If you watched it by itself without knowing anything else, you could still watch it and, yeah. and enjoy it. These two badass guys are going to come in here and they're, they're definitely wearing the pants in this conversation. And he, <laughs> yeah, it's... It's perfect. It works as his own little thing. And I love how conversational he is, knowing he's going to fucking fuck these guys up in a minute. Can I have a drink of your tasty beverage to wash down this burger? It might also be the last time I enjoyed John Travolta in anything. That's a good point. Have I liked... It might be the only thing that I really think, oh man, John Travolta is awesome in that. Is he awesome in anything else? Grease. No, I 
of grace. Seam in those pants, though. You know, uh, Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen, the verse yes. that he says in the scene you just mentioned. He said that he still has to say that about three times a week. People don't think that he still knows it or still remembers it. Oh, like he recites it from memory? Yeah, I can't, I gotta believe that like he probably said that a few years ago. I doubt at 71 years old, he's still sanctioning that kind of buffoonery. <laughs> nice callback, Brandon, to our Jim Carrey episode. Yeah. So, he has to say, he's still saying it three times a week. Some jackass is still coming up to him and going, hey. Do you remember when you were in Pulp Diction? <laughs> Do you remember when you said that really cool Bible verse and then you shot those dudes? And he's like, you know, I didn't have a real fucking gun, right? Like, hey, dude, do you, could you still say that? It's my favorite thing you ever said. <laughs> I, I seriously doubt he's still entertaining that kind of stuff. You know how people will sometimes say certain celebrities are jerks? Mm -hmm. What you just said reminds me of this, that because if I was a celebrity, I'd probably be a jerk too because you're constantly harassed by dumbass fans like that. Yeah. And if you don't give in to what they want, they, they call you an asshole. Yeah. If you don't perform like a little monkey, you know, for them, they'll go tell everybody that you're an asshole. I mean, I think of how many times I don't want to like talk to anybody when I go, you know, to the store to pick up like a couple things. Couple hot dogs. You know, they're asking me like, you having a good day, sir? I'm like, I'm not in the fucking mood. Like, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Imagine being like somebody that people have seen on TV for 30 or 40 years and they like love you. Yep. Everywhere you go, somebody needs a little piece of you in order to feel good. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Probably well, you know, why Samuel L. Jackson spends so much time golfing and not going to Target. Yeah, I don't think Target's a hot spot for celebrities of that caliber. But you know how you said he didn't want to dance like a monkey for peanuts? Mm -hmm. Is that the same reason you won't sing Santa Baby? Because people are starting to chatter online that you're an asshole. Well, well, keep that chatter up. You're right. I am. Okay. Well, we, I did it. I guessed all 10 of the top 10 best performances of Samuel L. Jackson. Not one wrong guess. You know, I knew I was a movie buff. I didn't realize how much of a Samuel L. Jackson movie buff I am. Apparently, I'm like his number one fan. The Sphere, or Sphere wasn't on there, and The Negotiator. None of his Star Wars, Mace Windu, The oh, Jedi. Star Wars, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, he was a Jedi. There was a great, there was a great quote from him. Uh, someone asked him to describe his character, Mace Windu, in episode one, The Phantom Menace, and he says, his answer was, he's black. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Fucking Samuel L. Jackson. He is, a, he is a treasure. That was as much as he gave a shit about, like, what Mace Windu does. He was like, I don't, he didn't know the name of the character or anything. He knew he was going to play a Jedi when he showed up. He didn't know, and he hadn't read the script or anything. He just, he knew he wanted to do it. And he won, got fucking millions of dollars. And then so. in episode two, he said, I don't have you ever seen episode two of the Star Once, Wars episode when two? It, when it first came out, yes. Okay. Do you vaguely remember at the end, there's like a battle scene. There's way too many Jedis with like lightsabers and they're all fighting. Yeah. Goblin looking alien guys. Samuel L. Jackson was concerned that you wouldn't be able to see him in the big crowd with all these blue and uh, green lightsabers. He asked George Lucas if he got to have a purple one. And George Lucas <laughs> said, well, lightsabers are either green or blue or red. And he said like, yeah, but I want a purple one. So, he got a purple one. That's purple coming back again. What was the other movie he wanted? Oh, uh, Mr. Glass was purple, right? Yeah. 
And purple is his favorite color. When I, if you look up Samuel L. Jackson and then just click images, there are multiple pictures of him with purple on or his like favorite kind of hat, these Kangol hats. That is a hat I cannot pull off. You know, another role that he has that we didn't talk about is he has a minor role in The Other Guys, the one with Will yeah, Ferrell and Mark. that's a really and good one too. There's a... <laughs> I just sent you an image and it reminded me of what actually is the thing that made me laugh the hardest in Django Unchained with his character, <laughs> Steven. It's when Calvin Candy gets shot at the end, his slave master. <laughs> and the very first thing they show after that is Steven's face. <laughs> And he looks like a baby crying. He goes, he like literally goes like, <laughs> yeah, when his slave master is killed. I mean, it's not just us. He was meant to be funny in that, right? <laughs> I think so. God, I like, I, I, I fucking hope so. I'll feel terrible if I found out he's, you know, meant to be scary or you're not meant, supposed to think he's funny, but my fuck, he made me laugh. <laughs> It's you and me, buddy, against the world. All right, that's it. That's Samuel L. Jackson, man. Uh, we covered everything. Everything there is to say about him. A man worth celebrating. Yeah. Take us back through the top 10 that I guessed successfully. Top 10, Samuel L. Jackson, best performances. Number 10 was Mr. Glass. Number 9 was Frozone. Nope. Number 8 was Zeus Carver in Die Hard with a Vengeance. Number 7 was... I think maybe my favorite overall, Steven in Django Unchained. Yeah. I like, I almost laugh. (laughs) Just think about it when I say it. Number six, Nick Fury. (laughs) Number seven was Lazarus (laughs) Woods in Black Snake Moan. Number four, Major Marquise Warren in The Hateful Eight. Number three, DJ Mr. Senor Love Daddy in Do the Right Thing. Number two, Ordell Robbie and Jackie Brown. And number one, Jules Winfield, Bad Motherfucker in Pulp Fiction. For me, I would put, not, Granted, I've not seen every movie in the top 10 here. I've seen probably at least half of them. And I'd put the three, the three Tarantino films as number one, two, and three. I'd do Pulp Fiction and then Django and then third would be Hateful Eight. Now you need to see Jackie Brown so you can toss that up there too. Yeah. I'm sure you'll get right on that. Hey, also he yeah. uh, had a performance in Goodfellas if you want another reason to not watch that shit. Goodfellas, that's the kooky one about David Spade and Chris Farley traveling across the country, right? Yeah, 69ing their way across the country. Well, speaking of 69ing, do you know who else loves to 69 their way across the country? Steven Seagal. Our listeners, and they rated and reviewed us, and I'm going to read a few of them. Okay. Eva Jones on Podchaser says, quote, The show is entertaining and the co-hosts have great chemistry. Hmm. Sexual? The concept is creative and I found myself disagreeing slash agreeing and laughing. Now, I think she's disagreeing with you and agreeing with me. You will never disagree with me again. The last sentence is my favorite part. It's a great way to decompress. And I'm glad she feels that way because I think my blood pressure always gets higher when I do this show with you. When I think of decompressing or de-stressing at the end of a long day, I don't think, let me whip out the recording machine and and call Brandon and see what he's up to. You better not think of me and whip anything out. (laughs) No promises. Give me another one. Okay. Thank you, Eva Jones. This one comes from the Cinema Craptaculous podcast on Apple Podcasts. They say, quote, this is a great discussion of the top 10 anything. 
Their interaction is great as they try to figure out the top 10 of any given subject, really enjoy the casual conversation that is both funny and informative, plus it's fun to play along. It is fun to play along. That's the whole idea. Do you think we're funny and informative? Usually only one at a time. Yeah. Informative does not mean that it's critical information we're informing our listeners of. No, you're just listening to some. I do want to give a shout out to Cinema Craptaculous. They are a fun little podcast that takes a hard look at the movies that are hard to look at. So they might like Star Wars Episode 2. Uh, it's certainly hard to look at or hear. If you want your review read on this show, just write us a review on podchaser.com or on the Apple Podcast app. Hell yeah. Brandon, I almost don't want this episode to end. Because when it ends, that means next is episode 100. And when I think about doing episode 100, it makes me feel old in podcast years. Yeah, we would be dead. There's no way I'm going to live to 100. No. Yeah, episode 100 is coming up next week. We've had hundreds of responses on our questionnaire that we're going to do. And I'm excited to take you through the results. You're going to family feud me, right? Yeah. So, for those that haven't heard, I did a questionnaire. And by the time you hear this, it's too late to take it. But uh, I asked a series of questions to our listeners. You voted. Brandon has not seen the questions or the answers, and I'm going to ask him what he thinks everyone chose. Going to be a hell of a time. And I'll be here for it. You'll be here for it. Well, I hope so. It'd be really weird if I just started doing the show by myself and I threw to you, but you didn't answer. You just pretended? You could do, we, we could still do that. I'll just record, we recorded the same way, just put up your side of the audio every week. You know what we should do is both record separately and then pretend the other is there. And then I'll add them together and see how well they match up. So, like, I'll do a recording and I'll pretend you're there and I'll laugh at your jokes and I'll agree and disagree and I'll, mm hmm, you. And you do the same to me, even though I'm not there. And then I'll put the two files together and we'll see if it matches up in any way. Sounds like a great use of our time. <laughs> we should not do that. Okay. Well, do you want to say anything else to our fine listeners, to the folks at home before we go? Nothing but thanks. Nothing but thanks. Appreciate you listening. We will see you for episode 100 next week. Thanks. Thanks.